have a lot of passion for what you're doing. This rings true because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard, and you have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, and if you're not happy with doing it, Welcome to another episode of Johnson's Idol Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This episode's guest is Ryan Shuck, formerly of Orgy, currently of Julian K., also of Dead by Sunrise. And with me, as always, is Mr. Daniel Terry, who is neither an ex nor a current member of anything. <laughs> Ouch. Oh my god. Do your own stupid podcast. Well, I have to build you up sometimes and just to cut you down. <laughs> I should just I could I could be upstairs, you know, with my wife right now. Um no, so I could do so I don't know, I was just trying to play off of what I just said. No, that's funny. Uh <laughs> what? You basically you basically just said I'm not a part of your podcast and I'm not a part of my podcast either. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, and uh, something that we're going to kind of keep doing, um, a lot of times when we do this, uh, I edit out Dan and I talking about, you know, Dan might have a beer. Uh, I still haven't tried it, but the it was the Elysian's uh, Winter winter Ale, I think is what it was called. Yeah, it's uh, Bifrost, actually. Yeah, um, that still, stuff's awesome. I still haven't gotten it yet, but uh, I found some the other day. But uh, a lot of times Dan and I will drink when we're doing these. Either you can tell or it's obvious. Just look at, at either of the two of our figures and you'll probably assume we drink and uh you're not wrong and uh but the thing is is um i've been trying to figure out different ways to incorporate some of more of us uh where it correlates to what we do uh more of who we are as people and things that we're into and sometimes the things don't necessarily i think aren't on brand don't necessarily work for what uh maybe you know the guest is on here to talk about or whatever but I think as a whole, um, there needs to be a little bit more influence of, uh, of Dan and I as people. Um, I think that's how you're going to get to understand more who we are. Maybe a little bit more of, of us will come out in the, the interviews when you hear them. Uh, I know that's how I feel when I listen to like Mark Marin and his long conversations about his cats and so forth in the intros. So long. Yeah. But, but I love them because it, it, it allows you to know more who Mark is. And when you hear him talk to people, you kind of get a better sense of where these stories come from as well. Um, not saying that I'm going to do 20 minutes of, you know, buying my dog a $30 dog bed and how I wondered if it was worth it since she's finally sleeping on the floor and, you know, licks her ass. So does she, does, does well, she, does she want nice things? Will she appreciate nice things? I, I, I don't know. These are the things that I wrestle with, but, uh, do you as the listener give a shit? Probably not. We might wrestle with it when we're getting paid to talk like Mark is. That's true too. So. <laughs> um, all that aside though, um, so I want to kind of start introducing some of the, the various drinks, uh, beer, liquor, wine, whatever that uh, that we are into, um, because as someone who's a fan of those things, uh, if there is a, a, an interesting sounding beer or a cocktail or whatever, I'm probably going to 
be apt to try it. I think it's very fun, like music, to just be open-minded and adventurous. And the more I kind of started talking to Dan about just the just that same sentiment that, you know, in drinking sometimes or food or other culinary type things, I think the openness to try things is what makes it fun and exciting and you can and you can learn to find something new. All that being said, so tonight, uh, something I want to kind of talk about uh, is a delicious gin that I found when I went on a trip out to uh, out to California, out to LA specifically, which is, again, not always going to be able to tailor these spirits and drinks to our guest, but I'm going to try my best. Um, but the brand is called Monkey 47. It is a, a Schwarzwald dry, dry gin. Um, I saw this on the shelf at the hotel we were staying at off of the Sunset Strip, and I'm going to show Dan this, which you guys can't see it, but if you want to Google it, uh, please do. It is a very interesting looking bottle. It is almost like a potion bottle, I could almost say. It's a southern elixir. Yeah, it, yeah, it looks like something you might see in Red Dead Redemption. Um, it has a cork top, and uh, it is, a like a like I said, a dry gin. It's got a, a lot of botanical stuff in it. I'm uh, looking at the website, which I highly recommend all of you do. Go to monkey47.com. They have a very interesting website that looks like an old-timey newspaper. Um, but basically, you know, this is a... Uh, a dry gin with a subtle fruity notes and a fine elegant sweetness that combine to offer an experience that is extremely dense and uniquely complex. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with that. It is a very interesting, uh, it's a very interesting drink. Uh, it's very floral. Uh, when you smell it, it is a, it's got a very interesting taste. Um, a lot like when I had, I just told the bartender just to pour me a neat shot of it and I just sipped on it. And I got a lot of weird looks <laughs> when I did that because I don't think people drink their alcohol quite like that to get a real sense of what this is. Um, right. But it has obviously stuck with me. I, I found some when I went to uh, Binnie's in Chicago, which if you have never heard of Binnie's, that is another glorious place to go. Uh, it's basically like a wholesale alcohol superstore. Think like a like a Sam's Club of alcohol. Like wine, liquor, cigars, beer from all over the world of everything. Uh, it is rad as shit, and you can even get a little discount card. But enough of the plug for Binnies. But uh, this is a very interesting gin. Uh, in the last handful of years, I've gotten really into gin. Um, so if you are a gin drinker and you like experimenting with different kinds of gin, I highly recommend this if you can find it. I will say it's a little bit on the pricier side. I think this was about 50 bucks for, uh, what is this, 375 milliliters. So it's like a pint basically for like 50 bucks. Ooh. But it is, it's more of a not an everyday kind of drink. It is a, a specialty drink. Um, but I thoroughly enjoy it. Dan, what have you been drinking this week? Well, um, this is kind of my go to, and it's a pretty common beer, but uh, I love it and really can't stop talking about it, which is the Elysian Space Dust IPA. Um, I would consider it to be my signature beer if I have such a uh, beer that you can associate with me <laughs> personally. <laughs> And uh, it's a uh, it's an American Imperial IPA. It's eight percent ABV, and it is just bitter in a bottle, but very um, much more crisp, like on draft. If you can get it on draft, there's been a few places that have had it, and it's. I mean, I can definitely slam a lot more of it whenever it's on draft. But uh, in the bottle, um, the taste is actually so intense for the most part, being a more being a more bitter IPA. Um, you know, it's definitely a beer you can get in trouble drinking if you aren't really paying attention. 
but uh, the flavor actually is bitter enough to keep you where you need to be. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say something like that, sometimes I, I find that uh, with a with beers like that, with IPAs sometimes, it's almost like a good salsa where like it's it's not hot to where you're like, oh my god, this is unbearable. But like the flavor just keeps you eating it because like then you're really enjoying it. But when you stop, does that make sense? That analogy, maybe not. No, it does. Like it's like a, it's like a good deathcore record, you know. <laughs> like, um, you know, when you when you're in the mood for something like that, you're not in the mood for something introspective or or something that's that's going to change the way you feel about things. Sometimes you just want to slam as hard as you can to something and uh alician goes really well with that uh with their space dust their other beers are like they're they're a very flavor conscious company and probably one of my favorite beer companies but uh logboat uh down here in st louis is is starting to um come up pretty close on them in second uh they've got an ipa called snapper which is uh doesn't taste like space dust but it it's well, it's two bucks cheaper, number one, and uh, <laughs> that that snapper stuff is really getting is really getting me uh, in a good place. But uh, that's uh, that's as many beer name drop or company name drops as I can throw in there. But uh, those are my two favorites. But uh, as far as my signature beer, when I'm sitting down to do a podcast or you know um, anything where I need to snap right to attention, Space Dust is the first thing I reach for. You know, it's kind of funny you you mentioned the introspective and and all that kind of stuff and uh i think that's a very indicative uh phrase for this conversation i had with ryan shuck we talk all about uh julian k we talk about uh dead by sunrise which was his band with chester bennington and we talk about some interesting things uh surrounding that and we get into some orgy talk that uh that sounds a little dirtier than i meant it to be but we get into some orgy talk and just as a whole i was i was very happy with how open and uh very easy ryan was to talk to especially on the eve of uh, thanksgiving uh and uh, which led to a really interesting probably 10 minutes of the conversation maybe 15 uh about uh ryan working with the local homeless uh every year for thanksgiving basically giving out meals and, and donating food and all that kind of stuff through his restaurants and uh yeah it's not necessarily this may not be the conversation everyone maybe thinks it's going to be maybe they do i don't know uh, i just know that we cover a lot of interesting ground uh, over the course of about an hour and uh really appreciative of ryan taking the time to uh to do that chat with me so without further ado let's get into my conversation with ryan shuck of julian k and dan and i will talk to you guys afterwards <laughs> So I have the pleasure this uh, pre-Thanksgiving of talking to Ryan Shuck of Julian K, X-Orgy, Dead by Sunrise. How are you doing on this uh, eve before a holiday? I'm doing really well. I'm preparing to uh, do a massive uh, drive to feed 3,000 homeless people, uh, actually the entire county, Orange County, California, uh, from one of my restaurants tomorrow morning at 7.30 a.m. Uh, so kind of took a break out and, uh, and, and gave you a call and um, 
it's a it's an exciting thing. It's called Gobble Gobble Give, <laughs> and uh, I'm down there, and we organize a ton of volunteers uh, that bring, you know, ten thousand dollars plus worth of food, and we package it and have it sent out to every homeless person in the county where they're sitting, wherever that may be. How long have you been doing this? Pretty cool. Five years. Oh wow. What is uh? Yeah. I mean, other than the obvious uh the reward of, of doing it and doing something, you know, very positive for somebody else so selflessly. What uh, was kind of the main inspiration? I mean, because I don't think a lot of people who maybe don't do any uh, donations or do things of this nature, this kind of selfless giving kind of thing, maybe understand what an undertaking it is to, to organize and or let alone actually do such a thing. So where did the inspiration for that even start? Uh, my father's death on the streets. Um, my father was a drug addict and, uh, and an alcoholic, and uh, all the all the other bad things that you put a you know that you put commas and continue down the the sentence. Um, and he uh, he actually died in a in a, in a flop house, uh, you know, uh, a few years ago. I guess now it's now it's what five because I started this after him, so maybe it's four. I don't know. Um, anyone who knows me knows that I live in a time warp. Uh, but uh, yeah, after that, after that, I I decided to, you know, even though I have uh, pretty strong opinions of of how you need to deal, uh, you know, with mentally ill ill and uh, you know drug addicted, uh, you know, people on the streets, which which many of them are, um, I still think that you have to have compassion and love. Absolutely. Um, and 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 this is this is my this is my way of. Uh, of kind of, I guess, playing both sides. You know, I'm a, I'm a local business owner. I own five restaurants in, in my area. And uh, I deal with these problems, you know, on a daily basis, you know, when I'm not on tour. And um, I can simultaneously care from a, at, on a very deep level and at the same time want to implement change, you know. So, um I don't know. In some ways, I guess this, this, you know, when I go to the city and I, and I try to deal with these issues with them who, you know, they have no idea what they're doing. So they don't, they don't run anything or own a business or have a PL or anything like that. Really deal with payroll and earn money, nothing. Um, you know, they don't really get it and they, they can often, you know, cast you as someone who doesn't care. And I think that, I think that, uh, I can prove that I do care very much and this hits very close to home. And at the same time, I still think something really, really needs to be done about the homeless issues in uh, in California. You know, it's kind of funny. I, I had no I had no clue we were going to start off down this road at all. Um, it actually just reminded me of a I get that a lot story. Uh, <laughs> I, I up until recently, I basically come from the restaurant retail world, like spending a lot of time managing in, in that that capacity. Oh wow. Um, that's tough. So, tough. Yeah, yeah, it is, especially around this time of year. Um, so that story actually reminded me of when I went to GM uh, and mm -hmm. opened a restaurant, a new location we had mm -hmm. in, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, when I moved from here in Grand Rapids. And we had a person okay. who came to apply for a job, and it was more of a kind of a young, like, college-y kind of, like, late-night stoner kind of place to eat. Um, and we had a gentleman come in to apply for a job that was a little bit older than me. I'm in my mid-30s now. Um, but basically had just gotten out of prison, uh, really had nowhere to go. 
Um, no one was hiring him. And I remember having to fight for this guy because he would he had no car, no transportation. He didn't have money to ride a bus, so he yeah. would literally get up and first thing yeah. in the morning when we opened, when I opened the store, he was there like, hey, you know, I'm just wondering if you had time for an interview or if you had time to check my application and all this kind of stuff and, you know, kind of had to fight with the owners. That, that says uh, a lot right there. Yeah, and that's what I said. I was like, you know, this guy's here yeah. every day. Yeah. When I have people who don't give a fuck about their job and just want to trade shifts and don't show up, I was like, I have a dude who wants to work, yeah. and he has he will work harder for me because right. he has more to prove. Yep. And I remember fighting so hard for him, and he finally yep. – we got a job, and he became one of my best employees, but we couldn't give him enough hours really to kind of – you know, help him. So I remember going to the store next, the restaurant that was opening next door to us that were looking for full-time people. Uh, Cause it's kind of the sad thing about college campuses. You can't find people that can work full-time. Uh, and I walked him over there and I was like, yo, like this is my best dude, yeah. but like hire him. And it was really wild. Cause like the dude came back, like after he got the job and one of the other times before I left that, that location, um, I, you know, he, I just remember him being like, you know, thank you for taking a chance with me. Like when no one else would. And I was like, dude, like, saw something in you and it's like i mean i don't know there's just that kind of intangible where it's like so many people yeah. are willing to overlook people just the the basicness of compassion and uh yeah. it's just kind of crazy like it, yeah. your story kind of reminded me of that where it's like you know sometimes well, you go to bat for those those uh, yeah well at, at the same time um look what he did you know it's like showing up i gotta tell you um showing up you already beat 80 percent of the uh, potential hires for sure you know what i mean it's like People, you know, Americans, I, I got to tell you, are so entitled and, you know, so many young people are just really, it's just, it's just so warped now. Um, you know, someone that shows up dying to work. I mean, it's like, I, I don't know, I, I will overlook a lot, you know, if they, if they actually show up like that. Um, but, you know, given the fact that I feed, you know, 3000 homeless people, you know, tomorrow, <laughs> it doesn't mean that I also don't, don't think that there needs to be you know, serious policy uh, action, not discussion, uh, you know, to change um, conservatorship and, you know, uh, I don't know, what is it, 4140 types of situations, all right. this kind of stuff. These people, some of these people are really insane. I mean, really, well, not some, 85% um, really need mental help. And so I, I really, you know, at the same time that I'm, I'm compassionate, um, I'm also a guy who has to clean up the mess and deal with it every day and all that kind of stuff. And so are my employees. And I think that you, you really do need new tools to, um, you know, get these people, you know, f the, in my opinion, you need to force them into help, Right. you know, because, you know, when my father was on the streets, he didn't want help. He, he, he actually became kind of mentally ill when he would get arrested or put into prison or, you know, forced into rehab, he would get sane again and he'd become a sane person. And then the addiction would take hold and he'd go out on the streets and within like a week or two or three of being kind of an animal, you know, living like an animal, he'd become mentally ill again. And, uh, and I think that that really says something. I mean, you know, if your son or daughter or brother or father um, really, really needs help and you have no tools to, you know, legally to utilize to say, hey, look, I'm going to take conservatorship over this person. He's obviously exhibiting, he's using his feces um, and, 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 and wiping it on windows. Okay. This is the kind of stuff I see. All right. He's shooting up in the middle of the street. 
he's, you know, I mean, I see horrible, horrible things. I don't want to make this a horrible podcast, but <laughs> you know, if you can't use that, if you can't use that and, and say, Hey, this is my family member. I want to take, I want to, I want to help this person and you can't build a case and take control and take them in and, and kind of, I hate to say it, but kind of in some way, you know, take control of their situation, their life and make sure they're taking the medication and all that kind of stuff. Cause a lot of families want to do this, but you, you really can't, Right. you know, in America, you just, you just can't do that. And uh, I think it's really sad. So, you know, some people that are listening right now um, might, might say, wow, this guy's, you know, not a very cool guy. And at the same time, I would say, you know, why don't you meet me tomorrow morning at 7.30 a.m., you know, at the Gypsy Den in Santa Ana, California, and uh, and see how cool I am or how not cool I am. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> I, 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 I do really care, but um, I also think that you really, really have to take some serious action, you know, to, 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 to fix this problem. For sure. It's a, it's a real issue. It's a real issue, and I think these people need help. I think it's also a lot easier to sit there and say you're going to do something or to, to blindly donate a check. But when you're actually in the trenches doing shit, I think it speaks more sure. volumes to the character of the, the people that are involved in this thing. For sure. For sure. You know, For kind sure. of uh, it's it's kind of amusing. I didn't I didn't realize that you were so vested in, in the, the restaurant world uh, as much as you are, which kind of makes sense because, I mean, someone <laughs> yeah. who's been in the music industry as long as you have, I can't think of another industry that would drive you insane just by being in it or the proximity to I, it. <laughs> I, always make a, I always make a joke uh, that I'm in the two worst businesses on earth, uh, music and restaurants. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the absolute <laughs> worst businesses to be in, you know. Well, I mean, there's the two that follow trends for sure. Your is... Yeah, I mean, your probability of failure uh, statistically is like 99%. Yeah. And, um, you know, in both. And uh, I thank God I've, I've actually been winning for a long time. Um, but, I mean, it's, I, I can tell you on in both sides, it's not without pain. It's not without loss. It's not without scars. It's not without learning. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really hard. Um, and I got to tell you on Facebook and Instagram, you know, I, you know, I don't use those outlets are for advertising for me. Oh, yeah. So you don't complain about how brutal this is. And you don't complain about the time that you played in another country and you got screwed out of, you know, $20,000 or whatever it is. It's like, that's a big deal. And yeah. that that's like, if you're in a band that ruins your life, but it's like, you know, we keep that, you know, we keep all that stuff under, you know, that's not what people need to concern themselves with. You know, um, it's, uh, it's tough. It's hard, you know, but if you look at Instagram, Facebook and all that kind of stuff, you see what we're doing. You see the shows we're doing, the music we're putting out. It's all insane quality. Um, the reaction and our, and our growth is exponential. It's, it's been incredible. Um, and we have to focus on that and, and kind of leave out the, the tough battles underneath the, uh, you know, underneath the surface. So I guess kind of talking about the music, um, you know, I was kind of su surprised uh, in looking and listening to your most recent output, uh, the career retrospective, uh, the time capsule, uh, a future retrospective, uh, and just the sheer extensive amount of music that you compiled for this collection in, in a chronological order as well. And to me, what yeah. was kind of interesting is – what was it like kind of putting together such a, a very rich uh, 
experience for the listeners, the fans of the band? Um, it was it was a very long process, and it was something <laughs> that we've been working on. <laughs> it's something we've been working on, you know, kind of behind the scenes and kind of referring to in different like live podcasts or you know, live Facebook chats or whatever it is that we do to kind of interact with our fans. Um, it was, it was something that's, it, that's, that's been behind the scenes for a long, long time. It wasn't until we, we really drew it out on a, you know, like a workflow chart and kind of figured out that like, wow, we have like, we have like 60 to 80 pieces of music that, that, that literally are, we almost have a new album that right. never really worked worked with the other albums. We have loads of demos that people all know the names of and don't don't even ask me how. I mean, I think that they see they see like our work board in like a picture or something like that and they and they and they blow it up and they get so but but they know it they know it as better than I do. And um you know, they're here like a clip that we did on MySpace way back when and they do not let go because they like that clip and so we 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 got we started getting deeply into this um and after we were so successful with our last couple of crowdfunding campaigns and i mean we we you know we blew the doors off that i mean it was insane i think you guys we set thought your that goals and then some in the first day in some instances we, we our last campaign we did twenty thousand dollars the first day yeah 10,000 the first hour. And we would have probably done 20,000 the first hour if Indiegogo could keep up with the payments. <laughs> but we had people, yeah, that's why we that's why we actually may not use any of these platforms anymore because their merchant services are not up to the 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 volume that we can bring. And we're not a very big band, but we have fans that care more than any fan. So they will literally they will they will shut down a merchant account in right. in in five minutes, and that's exactly what they did. And Indiegogo is like a big company, so I figured that they would have it together more than we would, or say my restaurant would. Right. I mean, Indiegogo is probably dealing with a hundred million, you know, plus, you know, per quarter. Mm-hmm. I deal with five five million, you know, per year. <laughs> you know, at, at all the restaurants, you know, and it's like we never have credit card failures or anything like that. And neither does the band. You know, when we have a show, we have, you know, wireless credit card, mm-hmm. you know, merchant terminals and POS systems. And um, and we can take everyone's order. Right. You know, I would expect a company as big as Indiegogo to be able to handle, you know, 600 people. Like, come on. <laughs> come on. So, you know, we probably would have set more records, but... I'm, I, you know, it's cool with me, you know, $20,000 the first day is pretty bitching, you know, and that's like 30 more days to go. And the cool story underneath all of that is that we, we actually continue to do more sales um, in addition to what is on Indiegogo. So when we launch these campaigns, you can pretty much double whatever, we're, whatever it is that we did on that in ancillary sales. And then we go on, uh, go on tour and we have even more sales um, with both the VIP merch uh, guarantees, all that kind of stuff. And we've, we've, uh, we've built a business from the ashes of, uh, of orgy and, um, we're stoked. I mean, we're, we're very happy. We're very proud, but you know, it's very hard and I'm not going to walk around saying that I bought myself a Ferrari. We didn't, um, <laughs> you know, but it, 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 but we are, we are a cash flowing, uh, business uh, corporation that, that, that makes music and is super connected with our fans. It's pretty amazing. 
you know, it's kind of funny you you brought up the the technology of you know uh, the various platforms, social media platforms, credit card readers, and so forth. Um, something I've kind of always admired about the band, you know, being somewhat a product of the '80s myself, and kind of that new wave. I mean, just I mean, the '80s were so great. Just the the uh, multitude of different influences that were kind of seeping through. You know, you had kind of like dancier kind of stuff. You know, pop stuff like the Cure, Bauhaus. You know, the Smiths, all this kind of stuff that was kind of. If it came out today, I feel like it'd be very fringe and under underground. Whereas somehow it gained such massive popularity. Um, mm-hmm. But all that aside, you know, something that I like about some of the bands that I had already mentioned was just the use of. Uh, electronics and the gear that they had and what's always been kind of interesting to me is how Julian K has this vintage sound but it has like modern production and I've always kind of wondered is there a struggle to kind of capture both of those uh, without losing one to the other no no and I'll tell you why Um, it's actually very natural Um, we are very very much into authenticity and originality and um, we will often go to like if we're like let me let me bring up Harmonic Disruptor, which is going to be our new album. Mm-hmm. Um, we are very very much you know going back to what made you know what we did in Orgy that made it kind of disruptive and cool, and so we're breaking out a lot of that equipment, right? Okay. And we're also re-embracing the '80s, and when we do that, we go back and we break out our actual drum machines from the '80s. We break out all that old gear, all that stuff, because we have like a warehouse full of it that, that we've collected over, you know, 30 years. <laughs> and, um, and, and we break it out and we, and we use it. And so we fill my studio up with all this, this gear. And, um, you know, and it's almost like if you're going to paint a picture and you have a palette you're going to use, right? You get all the paints and the brushes you need. That's exactly what we do in the studio. So we break out all this like vintage gear. All this stuff that we're doing is actually authentic it's actually the real drum machines it's not a plug-in it's the real stuff um and we buy it we we buy it or we own it and we're constantly buying we're constantly owning and um and we're constantly flipping and changing out gear um but we're recording in a modern environment you know recording in a modern studio either my studio or mirror studio with with pro tools and and all you know, all the modern or vintage outboard gear, um, and we're using plugins and stuff like that. So you're getting a very modern production using all of the actual vintage, um, you know, gear that you think you're hearing. You're actually hearing it. You know, we're we're programming on that. We're we're creating with it. Where you know, if you hear a very very strong, you know, heavy detuned very disrupted guitar that that you would you would think orgy on candy ass would make it's because i'm using the guitar and the amp and the gear and the pedals that i used on the candy ass album you know if you hear you know ministry style you know drum machines it's because we're using the drum machines that ministry used in 1989 you know what i mean it's like Mm -hmm. that's that's what we're doing but we're recording and and our knowledge level is up to 2019 standards. Yeah, it was just kind of funny. Very recently, I had a uh, John from Pitch Shifter on, and so you know oh, we were cool. we were talking about vintage gear, and he's like, "Yeah, you know the problem is, and in, in you know I still have all my vintage gear. However, the problem is, is you 
there aren't ways to plug this shit into things now, so you have to go back and find or come up with ways to make this vintage gear yeah. modernized. And so it was kind of interesting in, yep. in having that conversation, just thinking about like, well, that's yeah. why you have the sound you do with some of these old drum and bass machines and so forth and, and whatnot. But the problem yeah. is, like he said, is it's like, well, you know, I have an old hard drive from a computer from like 1994. Unfortunately, the, the fucking yeah. hard drive doesn't have a way to go onto a MacBook Pro, like because those didn't exist yep. then. So it's like it was just yeah. kind of this this interesting thing of like, you know, a lot of times now, like you said, people will use plugins, and that's just the way to to do anything. You know, like Kempers yeah. and AxeFX uh, have replaced amps and pedals and all that kind of stuff, which is fine because I understand yeah. from a touring perspective, it probably is way easier, especially international touring or fly-in dates, to do that as opposed to hauling a bunch of gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be. Um, we, funny enough, we we still use. Um, you know, we have custom designed, uh, you know, Friedman heads and, and cabinets and all this kind of stuff. And we, we still, as much as possible, we will actually use some proprietary analog gear because we think that it just makes us more special. Um, and I, and I get all the fractal systems and all this kind of stuff, but I, I just, I don't know. It just, I don't know. I, I think that, that, that keeping it very authentic is very important. And um, in this age where music is essentially free, I think that anything you can do to remain physical and authentic makes it very, very cool. And it makes you worth seeing live. Most definitely. Um, it was kind of funny. I was trying to think back to the one time I've seen you guys, and I believe it was... Interestingly enough, I, I think you were playing right before Placebo on the uh, Project Revolution tour in, like, oh. Oh, wow. I, I wish you would have five. seen us on the, uh, yeah, I wish you would have seen us, uh, just, 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 just this last month. Wow. Yeah. Jeez, if you, uh, amazing. if you weren't playing on a day that like the middle of the week here in Michigan, I, I definitely would have loved to have come out and seen the show, yeah. but, uh, it, I it think was we just, played, we played Flint, Michigan. Yeah. We yep, played the machine, machine shop. shop. It was yeah. sold out. Yep. Yeah. It was amazing. I mean, we, we, it was, it was just an amazing show and, Ah, oh, wish you would have seen it. I know. I'm uh, kind of kicking myself for it, but on one of the things, other than it being midweek, was uh, on I would have gotten the review ticket to go, but I couldn't have brought my wife, and I usually don't do anything without my wife. So, one of those yeah, people. Smart. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, it was just kind of interesting looking back then, you know, thinking about when the band, because I think around that time, like, the band had just kind of started performing. Um yeah, and it definitely seemed like you know. I remember a friend of mine who's big into placebo, and she was like, "Oh my god, that was the one tour I didn't see, or the one show in Michigan I didn't see." And I was like, uh, "You didn't miss much. I don't think anyone really gave a shit." Like between you guys, placebo, and then him were on after placebo, and him is one of my favorite bands. I was like, I don't think yeah. the crowd understood any of it, and so it just kind of was mm -hmm. a bummer watching people stand there like something heavy, play that not yep. this you know something that has more atmosphere and, and layers mm -hmm. and so forth and uh i was like so kind of was like a bit of a bummer but you know that yeah. being said like i was able to at least kind of be like wow i bet like in a very intimate setting this is really interesting and you can hear a lot more of the the layers that are going on but i was gonna say uh something about that because around that same time uh i believe dead by sunrise was getting ready to either put out their first the first album or had just put out the first album because i think i had remembered chester coming out and doing something with you guys on on that run 
Yeah, Chester came out and did technical uh, difficulties with us uh, every night. And, and I, even on shows where we weren't on tour together, he would come out with us. And when, I, when we played Chicago, I had my brother's birthday. Chester came out and, and, and sang our entire set for me, dressed as me. <laughs> so that tells you, if that tells you the depth of our friendship and how amazing he is, uh, I mean, he was shaking. He was so, I mean, Chester Bennington, like the best singer in the world, you know, he was, but my range is, is, is pretty low compared yeah. to what, you know, I go lower than he can go and he goes higher than I can go. Right. Um, and he was just shaking and he went out there and he sang, he knows our music. He's been such a big part of our band. He knows our music so well. He went out there and sang our entire fucking set word for word while I was the best man in my brother's wedding. Unbelievable. That's Unbelievable. A, that's incredible. What, a, what an amazing dude. Does does that show exist somewhere on YouTube? I mean, this is pre-YouTube really Fuck being yeah. a thing, so. Yeah. No, no, it's not pre-YouTube. No, it's all over YouTube. Is Absolutely. It really? You can find it easily. Okay. Oh, yeah. Easily. There's there's some of those kind of shows of that era where I'm like, that doesn't exist because like, I'm thinking like I had a fucking Razor or a Palm Pilot. Like, you know, internet phones weren't what they yeah. are. Yeah. So, yeah. No, trust me. It's out there. Oh yeah, it's all over. I mean, I think it's got a ton of views too. I mean, it's very, very popular. And anyone that knows uh, mine and Chester's relationship and is a fan of of, of Julian K, Dead by Sunrise, Orgy, or Lincoln Park, uh, they're all quite aware of it. It's pretty, pretty cool. You know, I was kind of wondering cool. though. You know, I, I had found in your old interviews and stuff because I was trying to find if I could find the answer to this without having to ask, but. I sadly did not. So if this has been answered plenty of times, forgive the uh, my lack of not finding yeah, it. But um, is there any extra Dead by Sunrise stuff that like demos or anything that have not been released at this point? Because it seemed like you know Chester had made a comment about it's not a band that's going to be an active band by any stretch of the imagination, but something that he would like to every maybe five years when kind of in between a touring cycle and a record cycle, <laughs> you get back to it. So you guys can do your thing with, you know, Julian Kay, he can do Lincoln park, all that kind of stuff. And it seemed like you guys were playing some kind of one-off shows in like 2016, I think I saw. So it kind of made me think, you know, yeah. like, okay, like maybe there was some some demo stages of stuff that maybe hasn't seen the light of day but is is there anything that's not been released of course yeah of course there is um there isn't there isn't as much as like say a julian k but of course there is some stuff one of the coolest things i think that we haven't released is we have um we have the our first show ever acoustically oh wow in vegas in a big theater we played acoustic and we have the board audio and video in hd Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I've watched it. It's pretty fucking cool. Um, we have that, we have some other stuff, but you know, yeah, there is some stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the blatant answer. It's not a ton, not as much as he has with Lincoln park or anything like that, but, um, you know, we have some stuff for sure. And yeah, that was the idea for dead by sunrise. It was never to, I would never have allowed that album to happen if it was going to get in the way of Lincoln park, because I'm a Lincoln park fan and I'm a Chester fan. I'm a Mike fan. I'm a fan of all those guys, Rob, everyone, you know? So, um, I would never have taken part if it was a, you know, fuck Lincoln park type of situation. It wasn't, it was designed to be something that we could do every couple of years, you know, five years would probably be on the long side, but every four or five years in between album cycles, we could get an album out with LP and album out with Julian K 
maybe even another album. And then we could come back and do that when, when the other guys want a break or whatever it is. And that was definitely the idea. And we were kind of coming back to, you know, Chester and I were talking about, you know, before he, he passed, um, we were actually just, just talking about, um, you know, getting together and starting to write new stuff and go, going back and revisiting older ideas and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. So unfortunately that was, that was about to, that was about to move forward. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, in light of, you know, that I was just kind of thinking, it's like, you know, I know, you know, transferring of music ideas and so forth has gotten a lot easier. So it's like, you know, you don't, they're gone are the days where you have to wait to get into a room with somebody and put it on like a one mic in the middle of the room, kind of a demo. So it's like, you know, I had just kind of, like I said, kind of wondered, it's like, okay, Lincoln parks on tour. You got an idea, like send it over to him. Maybe he gives you a rough vocal track. Like that there's, like I said, demo phases of stuff that just obviously hasn't seen the light of day. Um, so I guess it's yep. good to know that potentially there is that first show, uh, which would be phenomenal to see and hear uh, if and it's, whenever it's, it comes It's out. really good. It's really good. After we did it, uh, Chester came up to me and, he's, and he was like, uh, he was like, why do we haul this equipment everywhere? Why don't we just do this? <laughs> <laughs> and I was laughing and I was like, I totally agree. It was so good. <laughs> so awesome. Well, I think that speaks um, to yeah, the... just acoustic guitars. I think that speaks to the level of where the songs were, though, because you can't hide yeah. behind anything when it's just an acoustic and a voice. That's right. That's right. That's why I think that our acoustic show that we do on our Indiegogo campaigns, we every year at one of my restaurants, we do uh, it's, it's 150 bucks a ticket, but it's all, dinner and everything. Uh-huh. And we we play acoustically. Yeah, we play a different set every time. We have different guests and all this kind of stuff. So you do like a very intimate like 50 person show with julian k at my restaurant or one of my restaurants and um and it's it's just a it sells out every year and it's very very special and i think that for and for a, a rock electro band like us when you see us acoustically i think that becomes you know <laughs> i mean a lot of it's on youtube so you can tell but i mean we we destroy it and I, I always have fantasies of being able to do these shows in between tour dates. But the reality of it is doing these acoustic shows is, you know, it's all about physicality. It's all about being present. It's all about, you know, just that, that physical piece of equipment in your arms and your voice and, um, and whatever else anyone else is playing. And, uh, you know, it, it's hard. It's, 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 it's as hard as a, you know, big production arena show, you know, so it isn't, it isn't really like taking a guitar to Starbucks and sitting out front and (laughs) putting a pan out and going, you know, which by the way, I will do as an experiment. Um, I I joke sometimes, uh, you know, because everyone asks what my role is in the band. I'm like, well, I'm a singer songwriter. And, 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 you know, I do a lot of other weird stuff. Like I know how to do spreadsheets. I can do some business stuff and blah, blah, blah. But, at the end of the day, I'm the dude that could take a guitar to Starbucks with a with a can and make 300 bucks singing. At the end of the day, I'm really that guy. That's who I am, <laughs> you know. So, you know, take it or leave it. <laughs> I can I can sit down with a guitar and and make the hair on your arm stand up by singing and playing. You know, that's what I do. It's funny you say that. I was reminded of 
sort of a, a similar story when I went to go see Aaron Lewis do one of the very first like solo country things when it was just him and the lap steel player. And mm-hmm. it wasn't, it didn't turn into the full on production like it is now. And I remember he made a comment before playing, uh, it's been a while. And he was like, yeah. I used to play this at open mic nights. I used to play this at coffee shops. I used to play this so many places and people would talk over me, not give a fuck, whatever, you know, like, and I always knew it was a good song. And then, it, you know, insert applause here, all this kind of stuff. And he goes, and now it's the most played song on rock radio, you know, for, you know, in the last 10 years or something mm-hmm. like that. And it was just like, I was thinking about mm-hmm. that. It's like, you never know, like, if you're not paying it, you know, it's kind of like I was saying earlier, like, you know, it's it's easy to overlook a lot of things when and, and just kind of be faceless mm-hmm. in, in anything you do. And, you know, as a result of that on an anonymity at times that we sometimes want to portray that in that we sometimes lose out on some very very amazing things just because we're we're too wrapped up in a little screen or whatever sure of course yeah i I totally agree totally agree that's funny that he uh that he uh that he said that that's uh that's really really cool i I think that's awesome i didn't know that it's awesome yeah it was uh one of those, like when he used to play casinos, like in front of like a hundred people, <laughs> like when it was, like I said, like yeah. when it was literally Aaron Lewis just out of stained and all that kind of stuff, like when they were on a height, we're still on a height. Yeah. But it was uh, yeah. a really incredible thing. Kind of like very much like you're saying, like put, you know, a hundred, 150 people in a small room, acoustic guitar. And there's something very magical about that. Cause it, and like I said, in essence, yeah. all the bullshit stripped away. Like if you can't entertain me doing this or I can't be, see the raw emotion or whatever of these songs and how great they are, like in their most stripped down versions, then you got nothing. Yeah. I mean, it separates the men from the boys. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> you're going to hear a lot more of those. Uh, yeah. If you're a shitty guitar player, you're going to notice right away. Absolutely. Or if you're a singer that really can't do it. I mean, it's That's true like too. you have to carry the whole fucking show. Yeah. You know, even if the guitar uh, player messes up, you know, people are really going to be listening to the singer to, to not fuck up and to, and to really wow and blow them out of the water. And if you can't do that, I mean, I don't know. I recommend that every band does it, you know, stress test yourself. Yeah. You know? So it's kind of funny. You, you had mentioned a talking point uh, earlier. So you had mentioned the, uh, the, you know, that you had gear from the candy ass, uh, album. And that, you know, when you uh-huh. want to dial in those tones, obviously you have all that gear and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. Candy Astrian 20 this year. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I, and it's, it's, it, I think it's, I think it's, it's super sad that the original band orgy is not playing the entire album front to back. So can I cut you um, off right there for just, a, can I cut you off right there for just a second? Sure. So I talked to Jay sure. on this show probably two or three months ago. Yeah. And basically yeah, kind I of that. Okay. I had said the same thing. I was like, uh, you know, it turns twenty and you know, asked him for some and I'll ask you as well when I get done with this question, but uh kinda asked him uh-huh. like, you know, twenty years later, what does the album mean to you? Any memories, so on and so forth. But I had kinda said, like, is there any preparations to play at least one show uh where you play this album in its entirety? And at one point, he had kind of mentioned that he is open to the idea of, you know, getting the OG band back together to at least try to do a show. Um, that obviously fans of the band would want to see that, and that he would be he himself would obviously like to to see that as well. Is that something that you would ever 
you could foresee happening or entertain the idea, even if it's something that maybe happens next year and we get the 21st year anniversary of Candy Ass? Well, I think that if you did it next year, I think the smart thing that you would do is play Candy Ass front to back for the anniversary, and then you would do an encore of Vapor Transmission hits. Oh, wow. So you would give the fans, yeah. I'm, well, but th- this is me, right? So this is the way I think. You know, and Jay's a different person, and I, I, I love Jay very much. I, I don't. I don't like what's going on with Orgy. I, I'm not a, not a fan of that, but that does not mean that I don't love him and don't, you know, he can do what he wants to do. And that's totally cool. Um, I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, I, 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 I never imagined a world where we weren't doing Orgy together. I never imagined that. So I, I, I can't explain any of that because I was always, you know, down to do it. Um, and am I still down to do it? Sure. I mean, but it just has to be um, authentic with the majority of the band. Um, if not everyone, because that's what I'm into. <laughs> so, <laughs> using using our gear and it and it doesn't make financial sense to do one show. It makes sense to do 20 or 30 shows. I agree with that. So um, <laughs> and that the the and yeah and this is where it gets kind of weird you know it's like again i'm not uh, i don't i want everyone to make money i don't want to be the only guy that makes any money and, and orgy was a was an equal partnership and, and it was an equal thing so you know i would just need for it to to the business of it of it to be to make sense and for everyone to just be cool with going out and doing a very big rad tour because the, the band orgy is that's a big name you know mm-hmm. we sold millions of albums and um you know currently we're playing the same venues and julian k is a is a very small band with with you know selling tens of thousands of albums as opposed to you know three million plus for orgy um i think that says something i think that it really does matter that you're doing the real thing you know um and again, I'm not, I'm not, you know, talking any shit. I'm not, I'm not naysaying or anything like that. I'm just saying that I, I think that it really fans come up to me at every show and they, and they tell me they're, they, I, you know, I can't help it. You know, we're playing orgy songs right now in our set because our fans are demanding that we play orgy songs. You know, they want to hear the band play. They just, it just, they want to hear the sound again. So, um, I just think that, you know, I, I'm completely open to it, but it, it just, it needs to be what the band really is. You know, the whole band, you know, everyone getting paid, you know, no hierarchy and all this kind of stuff. It's just about, uh, we all bring our stuff to the table and we all go out there and kick ass and we do what Orgy does and it has to sound correct and, um, and do what we did the right way with the right equipment and, Amir and I happen to own the majority of that equipment and have it in our possession. And that would be awesome to get back out on a stage. I mean, those giant racks and all the cool stuff that made that sound, that would be so cool. Um, you know, you can't do something like Dizzy with just any old, you know, with two guitar players. Can't do it. <laughs> you have to have a guitar. You have to have a guitar synth and you have to have my modded amp to do that first note you can't do it for that first chord you, know, you can't do it you know you can do it but it won't it won't be real it won't be the right thing it, it will it will sound like 
two guitar players, you know, on Hollywood Boulevard or something, you know, it just, so I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm very into it, you know, but, but again, I'm very into being authentic, you know, and I think that's really in this day and age where, you know, you have Spotify and you have everything is so, everything's so spread out. Everything is so wide. Everything's so shattered and scattered. The only way to cut through is to truly be authentic and really be the real deal. And I think that's, unfortunately, if, 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 if I were in control of the name Orgy, that's what I would be hyper-focused on is being authentic, doing the real thing, having the, 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 the real people and uh, making, uh, you know, things like the anniversary of Candy Ass, similar to what Korn did with the anniversary of Follow the Leader. They yeah. did some big, big shows. And they made it. And by the way, if it's about money and it's not for me, if it's about money, that's how you make money. <laughs> totally. You be is. authentic. Yeah. You know, so that that's what we're doing. I mean, Julian K is a tiny band. We're making money right now because we are authentic. We are connected with our fans. We, you know, when you get invested in us, you get a return on investment. You know, we give back in a way that you expect that return to happen. So I think with Orgy, um, the smartest thing the band could do would be to become Orgy. <laughs> you know, really, <laughs> really be Orgy, you know. And, I, I, you know, unfortunately, everyone in the band has to agree to go, hey, you know, we're doing this together again. You know, and if one, if one person doesn't want to do it, that's different than four of them right. or that's different than one of one of them. That is the singer, because as far as I know right now, everyone in the band would do it except for, you know, Jake, cause we've offered to do it. We tried to do it. So, ah, okay. You know, but yeah. that was not the so answer. We, I got, yeah. So. It, <laughs> yeah it, it wasn't our choice to, uh, to not do orgy. It was, it was his choice. He sent us a letter and said that, you know, he's moving on and doing it without us. So, I have the letter. I have it on my computer <laughs> right now. I have it hard copy. I mean, so it's not, not, not making it up. I mean, it's, you know, we, we, and I say this with love too, because, you know, I, I do love the band and I, and I, if anyone's seen us, if you would have seen us at machine shop, you would have seen me talk about how much I care about that band. And, and I say it with gratitude. I'm grateful to Jay. I'm grateful to orgy. I'm grateful to those dudes, you know, um, uh, for, for, for being in that with me. I mean, I'm, I, I love it. So I can say it with like an open heart and an open soul and a, and a grateful, you know, disposition. It was kind of funny. Cause I mean, you know, in these situations, sometimes, you know, it's, it's kind of fun to be able to ask questions that uh, from a fan's perspective and, and, but not be sure. like browbeat you over and be like, come on, come on, punish you with the question and be like, come on, let's, yeah. let's talk about yeah. this. But, uh, you know, like I said, like having Jay on kind of, I felt like it makes it a little bit easier. And it's like, I mean, I'm not disillusioned into thinking if I have someone from one band on, if it's a past member or a member yeah. of a band that they're going to like take the time to listen to what was said. But all that being said, it's one of those that, you know, uh, as a vinyl collector too, I'm sad that uh, Candy Ass doesn't exist on fine on vinyl because uh, I, I just think there would well, be... Well, you're hitting... You're hitting on even more stuff that could be done, um, and and the thing is, is that you you can't you can't do the vinyl the way that a lot of bands do vinyl. You have to do it the right way. 
You have to do it on the right type of vinyl. You have to master the album for vinyl. Mm-hmm. You have to put it on the heavy fucking good vinyl yep. from a real factory. Mm-hmm. You can't just you can't just go wham bam thank you ma'am shitty vinyl on some floppy fucking case. You have to make something special, and that that you know I'm actually really proud to say that's what we're doing in Julian K. Mm-hmm. When you come buy your stuff, you know, in concert, you're going to get a load of unique merchandise that is really high quality. All of our shirts are different cuts. They're unique. They're, they're a little slimmer. They're longer. It's stuff that we would actually wear when you buy our CDs. Often when you come to a show, they're double albums. So you get all the, all the, uh, you know, you get actually way more. I mean, it's just, it's really, really cool. I mean, on our Indiegogo campaigns, we're selling neon signs of Julian K. And yeah, they're expensive, but we sell out of them in five minutes. I mean, but because they're so cool and they're so unique and we just do this all day long. Every single thing that we do is going to be unique and special. If you buy our VIP, not only do we actually hang out with you and talk with you, we have one of a kind special medals for that tour that you cannot get anywhere else. In addition to a sign poster and all that kind of crap that you get from every band, we have like a, military metal that you get like a black on black thick ass fucking metal that you you can add to your leather jacket with all the fucking spikes on it and all the shit (laughs) you know it's like we we and so what what's happening now is people are coming to our vip with all the metals so they look like they're military like decorated in the julian k military and so we know who our top vip people are our biggest supporters are and that that kind of stuff i think really you know, for a fan, I think it gives you something to buy into and it gives you something to be a part of. And Orgy could Orgy could go so deep down that rabbit hole. They could go so deep, but you, you know, unfortunately, they're not really doing it, but, you know, you gotta, the attitude that I'm expressing right now is something that comes with Ryan Chuck. It comes with the guy in your crew. So I bring a certain level of I bring a certain level of intensity, attention to detail, authenticity, and um, um, you know, and calling of bullshit. And <laughs> I think the restaurant industry will get learn you on that real fast. Sure. So I think that uh, a band like like the original Orgy in this era could be killing it. Because every, I mean, we invented our own symbols, our own language, our own, you know, it's all over, you know, vapor transmission, everything was, it was in the headstocks of my guitars. It was, I mean, we really had a deep, 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 deep story. And it's really easy to get back into that and start to make all that very special stuff for our fans. But I don't see that happening. I see... I see that brand going very, very far away from the brand that we created. And I don't see it being bigger. I see it not get the, I see it's, it's probably getting, you know, quite a bit smaller. I feel like a Julian K like neon glow in the dark vinyl would be fucking tight. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> that, 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 that might be the idea for California Noir. That's pretty cool. I, that's exact. I was looking at the California, uh, yeah. those two, and I was like, well, I mean, you have the neon. I was like, and I know they make glow in the dark, obviously glow in the dark uh, ink for or vinyl. 
So I was like, oh, you get like a nice neon color and then make it like a translucent color, yeah. glow in the dark. And I think that would be yeah, smaller. that sounds awesome. Because <laughs> my brain is all over like uh, our, it, it's into harmonic disruptor mode. Right. So you know, I'm thinking about what are we going to do on that album, but I didn't even think that. Now that we're producing Harmonic Disruptor, we could also produce the uh, the vinyl for uh, California Noir, which which always would have been a gorgeous, gorgeous vinyl set. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you just gave me a – that's a great idea. Well, I always like to pitch that's things a fantastic on the – idea. I always like to pitch things on the podcast. So if you end up doing that, all I'll ask is that you potentially send me one of them. <laughs> I, 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 I could potentially send you one. Cool. <laughs> um, yes, I would love to. So uh, in wrapping up, uh, where can people find you and or the band on the various socials? Uh, super easy. J-U-L-I-E-N-K on uh, Facebook, Instagram, anywhere. Uh, in many cases, you can just type into Google uh, Julian K. You can even misspell it uh, with an A. <laughs> Um, and you will find, you wish many people do, and, uh, you will find our website, which has a link to all our socials, um, has, uh, a lot of our, uh, you know, merchandise and all that kind of good stuff. Um, our Indiegogo campaign is still active, although we're going to, we're going to deactivate it very soon, uh, for harmonic disruptor. And the, the, if you want to get on Indiegogo, you can type in JKHD, Julian K harmonic disruptor, just JKHD. And um, you will uh, find our campaign, which is still has a lot of cool stuff on it. We're about to take crowdfunding uh, in-house. So we're about to change our website and everything to basically we're going to do it all ourselves. Awesome. So um, this is your last chance to participate in the, in the old world. And, and we have some <laughs> great stuff available. So after this, it's going to be us. And then, uh, and if you want to read uh, uh, stuff that I write, I write an article for Control Forever. Okay. And the first article is Crowd Surfing Your Way Out of Hell. And it <laughs> is the first, the first three steps that we used as an indie band to do what we're doing right now. And it, it, was, a, it was a massively received article. So, um, I mean, very, very popular. So popular that um, I'm getting texts right now asking why I'm, I have not written the uh, second part. So I am the indie <laughs> music writer for Control Forever, and I, 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 I encourage everyone to get on and read that because you will read a very honest and authentic look at what we've done, and I'm not talking about all the good stuff. I'm talking about the bad stuff, too. So I think you will really enjoy it, and uh, I encourage everyone to check it out. You'll see a, a guy in a rock band be extremely honest. I, I think we're, I think un, not unfortunately, I think uh, fortunately because of the world we live in, I think uh, we're starting to see a lot more of that. And I think it is a, a nice thing to actually see that it's more hard work and determination and so forth and not just the luck. Although this whole threatened thing from uh, the last week has kind of sort of disproved all that as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Can you believe that? That's no, incredible. I have almost everything I've been reading has it. Like, I know this may be not the reference to make for it, but I'm like, I feel like I'm watching either like a fucking Twilight Zone or I'm yeah. like, it's it's almost like on brand with uh, oh, what did I write? Oh, Twin Peaks. Like everything that just keeps coming out, you're like, what the, what the fuck? Like just more and more information to where you're like. 
I can't believe all the information coming out. Like it just blows my mind. And it's like, I'm not even like I'm doing this and I've done some writing and so forth and have done a band long time ago. And it's like, I -hmm. just have a passion for this shit. But when I see that, I'm like, I mean, everything that you basically should never do, this guy did. And the fucked up thing is it almost worked. It almost worked. And, you know, I I, I, got to tell you, there there are so many actual bands that do exactly what he's doing. Yeah, for sure. Um, and 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 they're actual bands, but that really just fake the whole thing. Yeah, I, I cannot even tell you. I we're talking like eighty percent, eighty five percent. The thing I think that was the most crazy about it is like when you sit down and look at the length that this person or him and his wife or whatever went through to to do all of this. It's like. If you just would have like applied a, a percentage of that to playing or or whatever, like you probably would have gotten pretty far. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's just so crazy. Like this world of like instant fame or wanting instant fame or whatever, and not putting mm-hmm. like it's it is basically in a nutshell. Like I was telling my co-host, you know, we were talking about it this week. I was like. This is, in a nutshell, what everyone is trying to do in the music industry, which is just fast-track success yeah. any way they fucking can yeah. without doing yeah. the one thing that anything requires you to do, which is fucking put in the work. Yeah. and it's, I mean, I, I, part of part of me thinks, like, you know, should we hire him as a marketing guy? I mean... <laughs> it's, like, so funny. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's funny how what marketing can do. Yeah. Like if you can just, I mean, that is marketing, by the way. Oh, for sure. You know, the problem is that there was there was nothing to back it up. There was no product. Nothing to back it up. Yeah. And that's where you utterly fail. So you can market your brains out. You like, can pay so much. You can lie. You can do all of it. But if you don't have fantastic music to back it up and real fans, even if it's a hundred real fans, yeah, then you're you need to go home. Well, it's like I, I called it. Uh, I was like, "Threaten" is basically the Turbo Man of bands at this point. Yeah. If you remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, uh, what uh, I always like to play this out to a song. So, what would you like me to play it out to? Shoot, um, I think that I think the best one would be our current single, "Photovoltaire." Um, that was like the big song on this last tour. We actually made it on a couple of radio stations, and and that's a big deal for us because we don't have like a label or anything doing this for us. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and, uh, you know, run it out on that. All right. Awesome. Well, Ryan, I'm sorry I kept you about another half hour longer than I had anticipated, but, uh, thank you once again for taking the time tonight and, uh, good luck tomorrow with, uh, with your, you know, food drive or, uh, I'm sorry, not your food thank drive. Thank you your, so uh, much. Our gigantic, uh, 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 organic thousands of meal delivery slash, uh, 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 deposit system. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my conversation with Ryan Chuck of Julian K, Orgy, and Dead by Sunrise. Uh, definitely got to say, I mean, I know Dan was uh, a little indisposed to uh, join me with that conversation, but uh, you know, something I, I was kind of looking forward to hearing from Dan is just, uh, you know, in this day and age where we've lost a lot of people. Uh, recently, Chris Cornell's solo record just came out. Um, yeah. We are apparently getting a Static X reunion with the vocals from Wayne that have not been used. And as you heard in the interview, um, there's a whole, the first whole show acoustically done, that is, uh, of Dead by Sunrise, 
uh, where the visual and the soundboard audio from that show is is you know the band has it it hasn't been released so there's you know basically a, a footage of a full concert uh, with Chester that no one has seen as well as some Dead by Sunrise demo so in light of you know some of these you know announcements to unreleased material coming out from people that we've lost sadly like Dan how do you know how does that make you feel uh, are you a fan of these these posthumous uh releases of demos and so forth or how do you feel about it can i be weird for a second let's get weird it makes me a little uncomfortable sometimes when i'm listening to bands where i know the person that is singing is dead um but i realize that's like really dumb because like i mean i don't feel that way every time smells like teen spirit comes on the radio (laughs) but um, is it because that he was alive when he obviously when he recorded it and it was a finished product Correct. Like he collected money from it, I guess is where I'm coming from. Uh, it's a little weird whenever something's put out after the artist has, has passed away. And um, I just, it makes me feel a little uncomfortable because I don't always know what the intention is. I mean, obviously, if the intention is, well, he wanted this, so let's make it happen, like that's a noble intention. But in the music industry, I just, the music industry is not built on noble intentions. <laughs> Sometimes and, it is. Uh, I think the the business side of things takes the noble intentions and and kind of gets a little blurs the lines of greed as well. Yeah, and you know, like I said, I don't have a strong opinion on it other than like, especially with the Static X thing. It, that's really, um, I don't know how I feel about any of that to be honest with you, because it's it seems like something that could have very much happened while Wayne was alive. Yeah, at the risk of potentially not being able to get the interview with Tony or any of the dudes that I, I put in for. <laughs> um, Lauren from Roach Coach, they recently made a comment about my post that I, I posted on our, our socials. Um, when the announcement for this crowdfunding thing went live, and uh, I think my biggest gripe with it, um, and maybe we should do this as a Patreon or I don't know, there's... There's so many routes that I could go with this that, that are kind of just frustrating as a whole. But my thing is this, piggybacking off of what Dan said, and it's been my stance the whole time. It's been no secret that when Tony left, he left the band basically citing that he just couldn't work with Wayne anymore. Whether it be drugs, whether it be the direction of the music, whether it was a million other things. It's all hearsay. But the amount of time that Static X went on without Tony, even though he still owned a part of the name, it's like you always were asked in interviews, would you go back, would you go back, would you go back? And it was a staunch no. There's nothing there for me, basically. And and yes, I'm paraphrasing, but if you go and read those interviews, audio or or written, that was basically the vibe of what he was was saying in regards to Static X. Oh, I'm in ministry now, or oh, I'm in Fear Factory, or I'm in these other bands. This is what I do. And the thing that got me when I read that press release is, you know, it's we're honoring Wayne's legacy. We're taking his leftover, the vocals for what was going to be the next Static X record. Oh, we got the whole original band back together. Oh, we're doing all these things. And to me, it's like, motherfucker, you all could have done this when the dude was alive. But due to whatever bullshit you were going through, whatever problems, ego, money, whatever the fuck was basically causing you guys not to be a band as you were 
It's like, don't come to me four years after the fact and tell me, like, we're all getting the band back together. We really want to honor the dude's legacy. Like, where was this state? Like, this is the kind of shit bands typically do right after someone passes away. Let's honor the legacy. Not four years later when I feel like, okay, well, my cash cow is kind of weaning. You know, the the statements I'm getting aren't as good. Oh, better, better milk this thing for whatever it's worth now. And, you know, like Lauren from Roach Coach and I were talking, and I, I don't remember if you were involved in this conversation either, Dan. But the weird thing to me is they're starting a GoFundMe or whatever for this record in different tiers. A lot. Like, part of it is you're paying for the touring, which I think is fucking asinine. Secondly... You have guests who are on here, but it's a crowdfunded record. But the way they make it sound like is no, well, no, they do not have guests that are on there. Okay, it's people they want. They are potentially yeah. going to have guests on there, so they haven't what, even asked yet. That's what Dan, that's what Lauren and I were talking about. Is it's like the way they talk about it is it's like it, and maybe this is something where all the people that are involved are have been made aware of. Like, hey, we're gonna do this thing. However. No commitment to you if we don't make this goal of our stretch goals and whatever, then no harm, no foul. But we're going to use you as a marketing ploy to, to add, like, well, we could get David Draymond from Disturbed, one of, you know, an arena-level band, or we could get this person and, and all this kind of shit. And everything just seems so disingenuous because it's almost like we really want to honor Wayne's legacy. But to me, like I told Lauren, I go, the thing that's very telling to me is – if you were trying, if there was a demand for this, you wouldn't have to go this route. So either a label has no fucking interest in this whatsoever because they smell right through all the bullshit too, oh, or yeah. it's more of a thing of, you know, in the day and age of people crowdfunding everything, it's it's either no one has interest and fuck it, we'll show you. I mean, look at, I think a great example of this is fucking Buckcherry with uh, 13. No one wanted them. No one wanted any of those songs, so they fucking recorded it on their own and then had a platinum hit, multi-platinum hit that resurrected their whole career, brought them back to the arena level, and then they re-signed with a major and all that kind of stuff, and the rest is history. But it's like for a hot minute, like no one wanted that record. No, so the industry, the industry can be proven wrong, and if the songs are hits, then they're hits for sure. But I just feel like this whole thing is so disingenuous from – from the way it's being done, the fact that there's guests that aren't even guests yet. Like, you don't... Like, okay, so I give you my $20 to get this fucking record. Like I said, everything about this just feels so disingenuous that it's like... I... But the fuck the part is, is like, if they're... If, you know, like, on a Friday from... In six months, there's a new Static X record, I'm probably going to check it out out of curiosity, but... Well, yeah, I mean, you have to. And I think that's the only thing that it really has going for it is that everybody's going to do that curiosity check. But what if it sucks, you know, and like, what if it sucks? And like, worst case scenario, you, you may be asking for guest vocalists, you know, maybe it's because there's portions of the songs that aren't done. We don't really know how much of Wayne static is really going to be there. Right. You know, we, all we've heard is, you know, final recordings or whatever. But, like, worst case scenario, you don't get the guests that you said you were going to get or that you were going to try to get, and then there's not a whole lot of Wayne. Th- then what do you do? Like, you, do, you, do you finish the vocals yourself? Well, I mean, Tony's or, a pretty you know, ample – Tony's a pretty capable vocalist. Yeah, I mean, it may, maybe it's fine, but I guess what I'm saying is they've got a huge potential here to not deliver their entire selling point. Yeah. At that point, it's one of those, like – 
do you just start a new band or do you hire or do you do you do really in a lot of ways do you do the right thing and just hire somebody else as a permanent singer of static x and just keep going well here's the thing too with it and i promise we're gonna get back to the conversation with ryan but this is just an interesting topic that's been kind of omnipresent but it's a thing where tony had i think had made a comment at one point he's like well it's not static x it's basically just wayne with a bunch of hired people so at what point (laughs) does a band with three quarters of the original band without the original vocalist. I mean, it's basically SDP all over again. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, the only band I, I can really think of that have, and they didn't have the, the down years like static X or STP kind of has with, without the other vocalist. I mean, the only band I can really think of that has kind of done this and done it well with the respect it deserved and has continued to add to the legacy of the band was Alice in Chains. Oh, yeah. They found someone yeah. who was able to do justice to the old material, but still put his own stamp on what they are still doing. Yeah, if any band did it right, it was Alice in Chains. And this this whole Static X thing, I guess my question is, where are they going to go after this? So, like, they're going to put the album out. Okay, let's say it's everything that we all dreamed of. And we're like, oh, my God, we honored Wayne... You know, it's all that it's like, are you going to follow that up or is this just like a one time deal? Is this is this something that Static X fans should really be excited about, like as far as for a future sort of thing? Or is this just literally what it sounds like of we're going to make as much money off of this as we can and then we're going to go use that to fund whatever else we have going on? Well, I mean, even if they were if the thing were to be maybe what Slash did, where the first Slash record had a bunch of guest vocalists. Then in the live setting, he got Miles Kennedy to to do the thing live, and then that became Slash and featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. Right. So if that's the case, yeah, fine. I understand that progression, but none of that happened. Not that wasn't a plan. That wasn't like a a, a four year plan. That was like a necessity. Like, all right, well, I need somebody live to do this. Miles is on right. three of the songs, so let's get yeah. him. Hey man, you did pretty good. Like, and this chemistry works. Let's record a record. Hey, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's where I'm coming from as far as maybe they should just get a new vocalist. Yeah. And just play it straight. I don't know who that vocalist would be though. Yeah, I mean I've got a couple of ideas myself, but uh, you know, I think uh, it, they could hire on a new singer. They could, you know, I mean I know in Static X it's kind of weird because like Static's not there. Right. So it definitely, you know, that is one of those cases where the front man really does encompass the whole band. I hate to say it, you know, you know, we're talking about three quarters of a band being there, but with a vocalist like Wayne Static, it's like, and is playing. He was he was able to go on tour with a bunch of other guys, and the fans didn't care because it was still Wayne. Yeah. So that that's a factor. Like I realize that you know are being frustrated or whatever what they're doing might actually just be the only thing they really could do they could have but, just left it alone <laughs> yeah they could have left it alone and you know there's other ways of honoring your friend's memory than taking a whole bunch of recordings that he never finished and trying to make something that you can profit off of out of it right and it, and the other thing too that kind of gets me is unlike chris cornell unlike you know chester Wayne didn't have like his wife died before him they didn't have any kids so 
It's not like you got a yeah. family that you need to like give money to to survive. That now that they've lost their parents, correct? Yeah. So I, I don't know, but the interesting thing, all of that aside, bringing it back to the conversation I had with Ryan, <laughs> um, and you know, Dan and I haven't really done one of these in a little bit, so there's there's a lot of current news that we we haven't been able to uh, hit on, and you know, I think uh, I'm gonna keep start incorporating a lot of this too. Uh, it might date the episodes, but you know, sometimes people ask us if we've seen this news or what we think of it, and. I mean, that's kind of the other reason we have these podcasts is to, to kind of talk about things that interest us or our hot takes on things. But um, the thing that I liked about talking with Ryan about Dead by Sunrise and, and the thing that it kind of was made me a little apprehensive about even broaching the subject because it, it is a sensitive one is just the fact that when you listen to Ryan talk about working with Chester, the times they spent together, and even if he decides to release any of this material that he has, it doesn't sound like it's coming from a place of being like, well, this is an obvious route of how I can cash in on this. Right. It's like, it, it it definitely, and always did seem like it was like, we're friends who like jamming and working on shit together. And it's always tough when you talk to someone who's lost someone that's, that's so monumental in, in music, because you want to obviously approach it with, with uh, a bit of class that it deserves, but it's interesting in getting to hear the voice of someone talking and you can, you know, I could kind of hear Ryan thinking about his friend, one of his best friends, and hearing him basically smiling through, like I, I, I got a sense of like I could hear him smiling through the phone when he talks about Chester because of how close they were and, and the music they made and what it meant to him and both of them and, and the fans and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, even kind of changing it over to when we talked about Orgy, you know, I wasn't sure... This is the first example of me having one person of a band on that, you know, the original members aren't together anymore and asking that person like, hey, you know, this album is a blank amount of years or would you ever get back the old band back together? And that person being like, yeah, I definitely would. Uh, you know, if if everyone, you know, I think we could all get in a room and hash things out. And I think, it, you know, fans would love it and blah, blah, blah. Well, I've never gotten to ask somebody else in that same band and be like, so I talked to so-and-so, like, would this be something you would ever entertain? And I kind of was expecting you know, Ryan to be very polite and just be like, ah, you know, like if it happens, it happens, you know, the very standard industry answer of like, never say never. Meanwhile, like you're like, Oh, what you don't know is like, everyone hates each other, this, that, and the other. But it's like, you know, you were on that conversation with me, Dan, with Jay and, and Jay seemed very genuine and being like, I like all those guys. And, you know, I think the fans would really love to see that. And I would love to see it and so forth. And to have Ryan say basically the exact same thing and echo those same sentiments was really cool. And, I got to say, as a as a really big fan of those first couple Orgy records, I kind of got to say, like, that really has me hoping that in the next year or so, maybe those guys get together in a room and they're just like, you know what, fuck it, man. Like, the Pantera dudes never got to do this. Linkin Park, you know, had something taken away, and now as a result, like, Dead by Sunrise isn't going to get to do these things. Like, life isn't, it doesn't, you don't know when shit's going to be over. So, like, let's take advantage of the fact that we're all still able, capable to play this music and let's let's just fucking have fun and play the songs that people want to see us do and like ryan said you're gonna make a fuckload of money doing it too so why not yeah i mean i think it's it's all in in the approach and you know um i think i think it's hard like i i probably would not have asked you know people from the same band in two different settings like this is um i probably 
I, I would have been too scared because like there's so many things going on behind the scenes we don't know about that like they're not going to tell us. Right. You know, you know, there's a time Jay Gordon kicked my cat across the wall and now my cat's dead, you know, or something <laughs> like that. Um, or the singer Mushroom know, head headbutting someone's wife. Yeah, well, you know, that band's pure garbage. But uh, <laughs> that's like more like a faceless corporation than in a real band. But, uh, you know, I, I think uh, you could definitely hear a little bit of law, a little bit of um, like, oh, man, I would really love for this to happen. But I don't know if it's going to maybe because of tensions within the band or whatever. But like you said, they really both of them didn't really seem like they had any real issue with each other. Um, but then it's like, how do you. How do you have a conflict with somebody? And like I said, this is a conflict that's totally in my head. I don't really know what, you know, if anything at all, you know, has really taken place. But, you know, how do you have a conflict that may, you know, over the course of years not seem like that big of a deal? Like, like, how, how do you how do you like justify the time that you spent away from a person <laughs> um, whenever it's something that you could have hashed out in five minutes? And I think sometimes that's what holds people back from reconciling things like this. It is kind of interesting. Uh, when I was looking up uh, some YouTube videos and stuff, I did see that I think it was about 10 years ago. Uh, Julian Kay was playing a show at the Viper Room. And uh, if you look up videos of Julian Kay's on, on uh, YouTube... You'll find that, uh, and as Ryan said, the band plays Blue Monday like toward the end of their set. And it was interesting to see the show because at this one on YouTube, uh, at the Viper Room, Jay Gordon came out and played with them. And there's another video of them playing with Bobby Hewitt, their uh, their old drummer of Orgy. So basically, like Julian Kay has played uh, with basically everybody from Orgy in this in the band doing the Blue Monday cover. So. It's one of those where it seems like everybody basically is okay with one another. It's just a matter of getting everyone into the room. And I think, like, once that happens, because, like, in that video, seeing Jay, like, during different parts when there's, like, no vocals and he's, like, over by a mirror and, like, they're smiling and having a good time and all that kind of stuff, it's, like, you see this intangible that it's, like, this music, this entity of these four or five people together, there's something special about all of these people being together. And for four and a half minutes even though it was from 10 years ago i was like still got it and if they if they still were to play out as this band i i I would probably drop some good money to go see candy ass played in its entirety and then the fact that he said like yeah with an encore of like some vapor transmission stuff and it was like whoa like that's nuts so it's like i don't know i just it, it has me excited and hoping that these guys can can reconnect and you know at the absolute worst like like i said if you go and listen to that orgy episode of or jay gordon episode that dan and i did the new orgy to me i kind of dig what they do like it's not it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination and the new julian k that's getting ready to come out in march uh everything they do is is good so i mean it's like if this is just what it is and i have two separate bands of people that i like and and all that kind of stuff, then I guess it is what it is. And maybe that's like the kid of divorce thing where you're like, well, I'd really like you to get back together and do this thing that I like. But it's like sometimes it's okay. Yeah, that there's people, Uh you know. And uh, speaking of people, speaking of following, well, I didn't say following, but you know it's coming because that's where we always, how we always end these episodes. But uh, if you would like to keep up with uh, Julian K, real simple, 
just uh, type in Julian K, J-U-L-I-E-N-K, across the socials, and you will find Julian K. Keep up with them. Again, they have a new record uh, coming out in March. Uh, I believe the pre-orders for that or the Indiegogo or GoFundMe or whatever are still up for a little bit longer. Um, But, uh, yeah, so follow them across the socials, Julian K. And if you'd like to keep up with Ryan, just uh, find him on Facebook and Instagram under Ryan Chuck. And uh, if you would like to keep up with Ryan and his writing, as you heard him say toward the end there, he uh, is a contributor to uh, Control Forever. Uh, go check out his writing, basically talking about uh, crowdfunding and stuff like that and how uh, what, where that's leading the music industry and so forth. Uh, I myself haven't taken the time to read all of it yet, but uh, what little bit I have is, is very, very good. Uh, and I especially enjoyed the uh, last little bit there talking about the uh, threaten. Uh, stuff going on. Uh, always great to get people in the industry's uh, opinions on that because it's it is interesting. And for more in depth uh, on that, go listen to the Managemental podcast. Uh, they just did a whole episode on the threatened thing, and it was very enjoyable. Uh, basically, Belasco and uh, Mike Mowry did a really good job of breaking that all down, where they were kind of impressed, but also upset <laughs> upset about how this person right. did everything, but in a very amusing way. And uh, Dan, where can people follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. You can follow me on Facebook under Daniel Terry. And you can find my other podcast, Discography Discussion, at DiscussMetal.com. And if you would like to keep up with all things the podcast, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at John's Entitled Podcast. Tweet at us at John's Entitled Pod and email us at John's Entitled Pod at gmail.com. Keep up with our show partner at Moshpit Nation at moshpitnation.com. Facebook at Moshpit Nation West Capital MI. Twitter and Instagram are simply Moshpit Nation. And if you would like to keep up with our show sponsor, The Bean Bastards, you can over at TheBeanBastard.com. Facebook and Instagram are simply The Bean Bastard. And we're going to end this episode as we always do by a song called photo voltaire which is the new single from julian k and we will talk to you guys next time Until I'm